Okay, how are we doing? Everyone okay? Give me a wave if you're okay. Excellent. Okay, so um, we, uh, as a church, these last couple of weeks have been working our way through uh, one of the New Testament letters. It's a letter that Peter wrote. It's the first one, actually. And today we land on chapter 3. And uh, sadly, or sadly for me, maybe not sadly for you, sadly for me, we don't have much time. So we're just going to zoom into a little section that caught my attention. The background to to this particular chapter is, is Peter is giving practical relationship advice, written directly into their first century context. And in this chapter, actually, there's, there's some words of advice for men. Uh, there's some words of advice for women. Uh, and then later, some really practical tips for all of us. I think we might have a look at those, actually, next week. Now, as it happens, the section that grabbed my attention was written to women. But I like it. <laughs> I want it. And I'm pretty sure that's fine. And again, I don't have time to work through all the details of this, so what I'm going to do is just pick out the parts that are immediately relevant. As I said, the context is how men and women behave, and actually how how those people around are watching and observing. And as a result of that, they're making judgments about Jesus and about the gospel. So, uh, in set up in, in verse 1, it said, I'm picking bits and pieces out here a little bit for the sake of time. It says, then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. And then here's... Here's our piece, verse 3. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles. You can see why this appealed to me. Expensive jewellery or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. So so just to summarize that really really quickly, we we should be considerably less concerned about outward beauty and adornment, what we in the 21st century would call image, and we should be rather more concerned with what's going on on the inside. The, The real beauty is heart deep and not skin deep. Doesn't mean that we should all throw out our makeup boxes, but it's who we are on the inside that really counts. A little parallel Old Testament story, if if you remember this one. God sent a, a prophet whose name was Samuel to a town called Bethlehem. Ringing any bells? to find a man named Jesse. Because uh, the king, whose name was Saul, had, had lost the plot. 
He'd gone off the rails. And God said that he was going to choose a new king from among Jesse's sons. So, Jesse calls his sons in and lines them up. And they're an impressive selection of of good-looking and bronzed, muscled-toned hunks. And Jesse naturally assumed that God would choose one of these highly qualified men to be the next king. But actually, if you remember that story, God didn't choose them at all. God said, hang on a minute, is that all you got? (laughs) Is there there anyone else? And and Jesse said, well, actually, yes, my my youngest one is out in the fields right now just looking after the sheep. We didn't think he was, you know, going to make the cut. And as we know... As soon as Samuel saw David, he knew this was the one and chose David to be the next king of Israel. Of course, we know what happened to David and we know what happened to Goliath and we know much of the rest of the story. This this is the the verse to pull out here. It's 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height. This is talking about the, the firstborn son whose name was Eliab. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People look at, sorry, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And of course, if you know that story, King David later on is described as a man after God's own heart. Let's bring that forward Um, a few thousand years into the 21st century. You know, we live, and it was um, testified to earlier in some of our testimonies, we live in a world that greatly esteems outward appearance and image. It puts a huge premium on beauty and fame and status and popularity and power. And if we're honest, that same culture tends to trample on what we would call godliness and holiness and purity. I was entertained this week. I had a flick through the local Evesham newspaper and there was an advertisement. And it was publicizing a meet and greet and photo op with a certain Love Island character. Complete with a, with a swimsuited, tanned, and smouldering photo. There's one who came third. Now, apologies to, to anybody who devotedly watches Love Island. Personally, I've never seen it. But is this really what we want to put up on a pedestal? I mean, after all, it's very different to Jesus's. A beatitude in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, who says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, the merciful, the pure in heart, the persecuted. Stands in stark contrast to, to the modern world's version. Blessed are the wealthy and the powerful and the popular. Blessed are the beautiful Blessed are the strongest and the loudest and those with the most colourful social media profile. And so Peter's message in here is is we need to check 
what we esteem. Peter is saying, perhaps we have it upside down. Should we instead esteem and celebrate and perpetuate a very different set of values? This, I would say, is good news for for any of us who are never going to win a beauty contest or or a sporting uh, trophy or an academic prize. So if God is looking not at the outward but the inward, what is he looking for? What does that inwardly beautiful look like? What should we esteem? Well, do you know what? Quite by coincidence, there are two answers right here in this little passage in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says at the start, they will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. And there, verse 4, you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. In other words, real beauty, real beauty, looks like this. Number one, a pure and reverent life. And number two, a gentle and quiet spirit. Described here as unfaded beauty, as so precious to God. The Amplified, which takes the original version, kind of expands on the language a bit, says, let it be the inner beauty of the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, one that is calm and self-controlled, not over-anxious, but serene and spiritually mature, which is very precious in the sight of God. So what does a, a gentle and quiet spirit look like? What about the pure of heart? I love that word, pure. As I pondered this week, uh, three qualities that instantly jumped to mind. Number one is integrity. Integrity says, what I see is what I get. No no deception. no, No different faces. No unpredictability. No hypocrisy. Secondly, Kindness. Kindness says that I can tell, I can tell that they have my best interests at heart. And then thirdly, gentleness. With this person, I am in really safe hands. To which I'd say this, don't you love people like that? Don't you wish that that could be what you were known for? You see, inner beauty Inner inner purity is beautiful. It's sweet. And as Peter says here, actually it's very attractive. So the question, I suppose, becomes, how how do we get there? How do we get there? Just very simply, for the sake of time, two stages. Stage number one is, is to give your life to Jesus. Such a powerful picture today of, of Jesus washing us clean in baptism. And what I say to the candidates today is never lose that memory, that sense, that feeling. Uh, On my baptism, I was expecting doves to sing and angels to 
float around and all this kind of thing, and it was going to be a great moment for me. And the, the person who I had chosen, I regret it now, to hold my towel, <laughs> looked at me as I got out and said, you thought this was going to be a really spiritual moment, didn't you? But you just cold wet. <laughs> I said, well, thank you very much. It's really deepened my moment. But I think what I want you, is actually, yeah, you are wet. Because you've been washed. You know, the pictures are being washed with the blood of Jesus. Washed clean. The Bible says, though your sins were scarlet, they are as white as snow. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. So how do we get to this, this pure life? How do we get to this beautiful life? Stage one is you have to give your life to Jesus. Never lose that memory of cold and wet. Perhaps he was right after all. But the idea, I think, here is, is that God doesn't just want to, to, to merely surface wash. What God wants to do in you is a deep clean. And that leads to stage number two. Stage number two is to let him in to mould and refine and to purify your heart. There's a quote from a well-known Christian speaker and author called Max Lucado. And he says, God loves you just the way you are. Aren't you grateful for that? But he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. He wants you to have a heart like his. And what God wants from you is the invitation to go to work on your heart so he can make you just like Jesus. And the good news is, he's very, very good at that. The Bible passage that jumps to my mind is, is 2 Corinthians 3.17. says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed, the word metamorphosis, being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When I think of the word metamorphosis, I think of my biology lessons when I was 12, 13, which I can almost remember, how that, that horrible little grubby caterpillar becomes this amazing, beautiful butterfly. And that is the picture of transformation, God transforming you from one degree of glory to another to make us more like Jesus. And that's God's purpose in all of us. God's purpose is to transform us all into the image of Jesus. And so to that end, he moulds and he refines and he purifies our hearts by the power of his Spirit. And so he lovingly heals and restores. He corrects and redirects. He softens and sanctified. Sanctified is a theological word for deep clean. Until we look like Jesus. New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You know, being baptized is, is part of your discipleship journey. And discipleship is, is not about what you know so much as who you become. The Hebrew picture is of, of, of pupil students sitting at rabbi's feet 
learning for him, from him so he can rub off on you. So you become like him. And that's the journey, the discipleship journey that God is taking us all on. I like to think of the picture of a, of a beautiful and strong and healthy tree. I love trees. Don't you love late summer when the fruit starts to ripen? Or, or autumn when you, you drive through a canopy of glorious, multicolored fall leaves? And the question, of course, how, how do you judge a tree? And the answer is you judge it by the fruit that it produces. And as a gardener prunes his trees and shrubs, so, so we let God in to mold and refine and purify our hearts. We let him feed and nourish us. We let him grow and mature us. We let him prune us and trim us and shape us. We sink our roots deep into Jesus so that we can produce a ripe and sweet fruit. The message uh, translates 1 Corinthians 3.18 like this, and so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Carefully chosen expressions there, as God enters our lives. We become brighter. We become more beautiful. We become like him. This parallels really closely 1 Peter 3. Pure and reverent lives, clothed with inner beauty. A gentle and quiet spirit that is so precious to God. So let's wrap up with this thought, I don't know what you are aiming for in life, folks. But can I recommend this? Number one, a pure and reverent life. And number two, a gentle and quiet spirit. Do you know those things are beautiful? Those things are attractive and compelling. They're disarming. They're delightful. And they should be treasured. And I'll say that, if that's the fruit that you are growing, it will be sweet to everyone's taste. I'm going to leave you with uh, two quick challenges. Challenge number one is this. Have you given your life to Jesus? You know, that's where the journey starts. That's the first puzzle piece. Asking Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Saviour. That's why we ask the question that we do. And you know, the good news is you can do that right now, right here, today. Challenge number one, have you given your life to Jesus? And then challenge number two, are you letting him in to change your heart? Are you soft and open? Or are you a little hard and resistant? Are you letting him in to change your heart? You know, that's where the powerful work gets done. That's what God will do in you 
if you will open up the door. And the end result will be pure and sweet and beautiful. And do you know what? God, in challenge number one, and God in challenge number two, is merely waiting for your invitation.